Welcome to the Docs Who Lift podcast, where we distill and simplify the complexities of a healthy lifestyle, exercise, medicine, and weight loss. We're excited to bring you a podcast that's a prescription for clinical practice, scientific recommendations, and just real life. This is the Docs Who Lift podcast. Welcome back to the Docs Who Lift podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Spencer Nadolski. I got my co-host, Dr. Carl, and we actually have, again, I say the same thing every time we have a guest on, a very special guest. His name is Kamal. He is the director what is it what do you call it what do you call yourself of examine.com director director co-founder some other thing the boss the boss yeah so it's a really small small world he actually took over the job from me um i tried to do it and then realized i don't really like dealing with supplements and and whatever and so i, thought you got I basically fired. got fired and then <laughs> okay <laughs> and come on we always, we always joke actually i've been uh i've been, been uh, fired i've been fired a from things. a couple jobs <laughs> and we joke yeah. about it but yeah. uh kamal patel i'm not joking good great <laughs> great guy we, we wanted him uh to get on this uh, on our show because like people ask us all the time about uh supplements and examine.com is probably the the best place to look up for the evidence. They've aggregated all the data to look up the evidence on supplements. In fact, you guys just launched a new version of the website. And it's, it's a good place for like, hey, I'm going to buy a supplement. The, the person at GNC, if anybody even goes to GNC, now it's all via the internet, uh, Amazon, listening to your favorite guru. If there's like, if you, you're like wondering if there's any data to even support what these people are claiming, it's a good place to go. Uh, to to look those studies up. So welcome, Kamal. It's my pleasure. So what? Well, I yeah, got a go question ahead. before before we get started, just because uh, you know people may or may not know, but can we define what a supplement is? Especially, you know, we talk a lot about medications and um, what's what's the difference between a medication, a dietary supplement, a supplement. I mean, supplement in general just means adding something to complement or enhancing anything else. But can you just tell the audience, like, what what the heck are we even, what is a supplement in your, from your perspective? So the technical definition varies by country, but my definition is that basically if you have a compound that works, that has efficacy, um, and you can make money from it, it's a drug uh, because you test it repeatedly <clears throat> in uh, phase one, two, three trials. If it's a supplement, it's generally something that's generally recognized as safe. Um, and the presumption from the FDA's viewpoint is that it's safe unless proven otherwise. For a drug is that it's not safe until proven otherwise. So supplements end up being this catch-all term for things where a lot of it is nutrient supplements. Um, so either a macro micronutrient or a pseudovitamin or something like that. Um, herbs, traditional Chinese medicine sorts of things. And then a huge category of everything else. And one of the main issues with supplements is that that presumption is probably not correct. Um, that supplements are safe unless proven otherwise. Um, and that kind of all flipped in, I think it's 94, um, when Deshay, the major supplement legislation in the U.S. passed. And that was pushed forward by the supplement industry, of course. And the supplement industry is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just that 
you know, if you're selling something that maybe works or does work, you want to make money and you don't want your government restricting it to being prescription only um, or having a bunch of supplements that are not legal. And there's other countries where that's the case. And the U.S. is not like that. So in certain other countries, there will be a supplement that's used a lot in the U.S. and they just don't have access to it at all. So what about the whole thing about like this supplement industry isn't regulated and this isn't tested? Because that's something uh, Doug, who is it, Doug Coleman and uh, Jose Antonio and a few other people, whenever, you know, someone on Twitter will say, hey, supplements aren't regulated, so you shouldn't trust them. And they'll go, well, technically they are regulated. It's more of a retroactive type of thing. Do you, I mean, you were just kind of talking about that um yeah, so they know better than I do because okay. they're involved in trials and then they yeah. you know, are involved in companies. But <clears throat> I think it's somewhere in the middle. Uh, and there is regulation, but it's, it's sort of reactive regulation. So it's not yeah. that you have to prove safety in a well-conducted trial before you market a supplement. It's that um, there is some basic checks done. And then if there are things reported, then the FDA will try to regulate. Right. But compared to the number of drugs, there's just so many more supplements and it's basically impossible to regulate all of them, especially when it comes to like safety is one thing, but batch to batch variability um, mm-hmm. and then subgroups that a supplement might be dangerous in. It's just hard to tell because samples are never large enough. Yeah. And and one thing, you know, that I, I always tell patients, see if this makes any sense to you, is that if you're taking something like a supplement that's supposed to have some sort of health benefits... That means you're doing it under the presumption that you think it has essentially pharmacological effects, like it's doing something physiologic in your body, like a drug or a medicine or something like that. And they often don't really take into account, well, maybe it's doing benefit, whether it does or not, but it also may have harms if it's actually doing anything um, physiologic. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I always use that. um, There's two sorts of setups like that I use all the time. One is that you know, if, if something does something in the body, then it always has room for detriment because mm-hmm. there, there's no magical things like the sun, you know, mm-hmm. sun is good, sun is bad. Um, <laughs> yeah. But but then the other area like that is um, natural medicine, you know, right. naturopath, naturopath, naturopath. Um, yeah. There is no Eastern and Western medicine. There's no complementary right. medicine versus Western. So uh, things that work, work, whether it's a drug or a supplement uh, right. or whether it's Eastern or Western. And like studies don't care, right? It's right. only regulatory, regulatory agencies that dichotomize these things that really care. But in certain countries, uh, like certain types of uh, medical nutrition therapy in one country, something is regulated and prescribed by doctors. In another country, it's not. So it can be a little bit arbitrary. Yeah, that kind of goes to one of my favorite quotes that uh, our oncology friend Dan Bowers always would say, um, and I always get it wrong, but it's something like, if, if an alternative medicine is shown to have efficacy and safety in a trial, it's not alternative, it's just medicine. Yeah. yeah. But it's people, not, get, you know, people no confuse medicine, the term medicine. It's, you know, that's the practice of essentially healthcare and stuff. So anyways, yeah. So what... Are there any good supplements that we're, we're pretty anti-supplement, although we take a f- well, you know few, but uh, we're, but again, it, we're we're just evidence based, you know, for because there are well, plenty of supplements that are basically hype. Medicines. I would say anti-hype yeah. of of rand from random gurus, but like if you had to give your list of like top 
five supplements that the general population may want to look into? What, what does that end up being looking like? You probably know all of these and yeah. uh, I'm sure you take them. So for the vast majority of people, the only supplements that definitely will do something would be um, creatine, a nutrient that you might be lacking. It's often, you know, if you're deficient in vitamin D, if you're not deficient, then it's not going to do anything. Uh, magnesium, but not at the level of hype that, you mm -hmm. know, it's reached in the past few years. Um Possibly collagen supplements for certain things, but it just varies widely. Uh, so it, uh, undenatured type 2 collagen occasionally for joint pain. Um, possibly collagen for certain skin elasticity sorts of issues. Um, That's why I started taking conditions. it. <laughs> That's it. I literally started taking it for that because I was people were kept asking about collagen for, you know, like medical purposes. And so I was like kind of doing a, a literature review and I found uh, data to support skin and hair health which I get a lot of as an endocrinologist, you know, people are always talking about that. So, so I even jumped on and started adding it to my coffee to try to help my beat up skin from all the years of wrestling. Yeah. Well, the, the one issue you have, uh, are you, you're wearing headphones? To call no, it, I don't, it's not my, ears. it's not my cauliflower ear. It's just my face is beat to hell. And yeah, uh, I don't know. It's I don't like think it's working. Yeah. We've <laughs> thought about that for, Thanks, uh, Kramer. so for examine in general, <laughs> if at a future date, we want to very lightly get into, over-the-counter medications, then we don't want to cover anything that we're not qualified to cover that might be dangerous. So mm -hmm. um, just a week ago, I was thinking possibly some of the components of um, skin and, and beauty over-the-counter mm -hmm. formulations because yeah. it like once you get to 30s and 40s, it doesn't matter who you are, you get you look older <laughs> and then there's yeah. and you're like, oh shit, what do I do yeah. now? I need to do a lot yeah. of research. And yeah. Um, and those things generally don't harm. So mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe. Yeah, that would be a great, I think that's a great, because there's a big Twitter battle. You probably saw it with all these people talking about sunscreens and all these creams and yeah. talking about the potential chemicals that are in them that get into your bloodstream and whether God. it matters or not, the toxicology, interesting stuff. You you guys should, um, should, should have a little section. Go, going back to creatine a little bit, uh, we started, I remember back in high school, it was just coming out or it, actually I was in like, mm. elementary school. You, you were younger. Yeah. Cause yeah. I was in high school. Maybe I was in started looking into it. middle school. Did you start what, taking creatine in elementary school? Not in elementary middle. I think might've been middle eh. school, early high school. Yeah. Cause I was, I was in high school and we, and we were looking into the science. I did a whole um, project on it. And, uh, and of course my, my project included a big picture of a sperm because it turned out that sperm has creatine in it. I'm, and so that, I'm that pretty also sure probably didn't help any. Your quote was sperm is chock full of creatine. I'm pretty yeah, sure that was the quote. That's, that <laughs> was the quote on my poster in my 11th grade science class. And then Spencer brought it and started taking creatine to all his friends at middle school. Okay. <laughs> how, how does it work, Kamal? Can you tell us how, how creatine works? Um, creatine helps with recycling of um, intermediate energy metabolism steps. Um, so phosphate groups. And about, I don't know if what the percentage of creatine responders is, it might be around half of people respond to creatine. Yeah. Um, you're more likely to respond to creatine if you're on a vegan or vegetarian diet. So it's like <laughs> a lot of the vegan and vegetarian diet supplements that are recommended are things that start with a C, carnitine, choline, creatine. Um, so it's super easy to remember. And for people who eat a ton of red meat, um, it often doesn't help quite as much, <laughs> but if you, um, if you load up, not actually like 
loading as how people used to do in previous years because you don't yeah. really have to do that. Um, but if you load up on creatine, most often it's the only supplement that people will uh, find improved gym performance from, not really pre-workout. You know, it's interesting, the, the um, statistics you just noted, that goes all the way back to that darn poster I did in, in in a you know eleventh grade. We don't even need to examine. We just need yeah. We just need your I mean, poster. it's amazing. I I, <laughs> yeah, I remember, and I've said this forever that I I think I quoted something like you know two thirds to maybe three quarters of people respond to it. But like as I remember it, about a you know a quarter of people have enough stores get it from the red meat. And every time, see, I don't take it because anytime I ever tried it, I never really. I couldn't really ever tell. And I, I was always pretty well, maybe maxed to my genetic potential, you know, Spencer might suggest, but so I don't know if that has something to do with it, but um, I absolutely remember that. And, and I've always kind of quoted that exact thing. So maybe the data yeah, hasn't I don't know really what the changed latest, that much. Um, literature is as far as percentage, but what was this other thing I was thinking of? Uh, Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you ruined it. There's a couple of questions it. I've had about creatine. I'm not as, I don't, write our pages as much anymore. So I'm a little bit out of date with the research. But um, I know recently there's been two things that were interesting about creatine. One was something about responders and one was, you guys might have already known, there was a trial that was going to start on creatine and hair loss. Mm-hmm. And there and then there wasn't enough funding. Oh, Brian Tinsley oh, at, 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 well, Spencer, I, we better start taking it. <laughs> well, it actually helps right. with hair loss. So because uh, no, the reverse. So nobody oh, knows. There's always good. been okay. anecdotes I'm not of, take it. Um, <laughs> of it worsening hair loss. And then there's a bunch of confounders, right? Because people get right. older. So that's one yeah. thing. And then um, and then everybody's a guy or most people are guys who are reporting these. So then there's going to be a trial and it's in clinicaltrials.gov. It's interesting. There. Um, and then because of funding or enrollment or something, it had to stop. And that's one of the questions we get the most. Because once you've been lifting for 20, 30 years, then you're like, oh, my hair is thinning. Should I stop taking this creatine? It's not worth it anymore. Mm-hmm. Especially because um, finasteride and some of the other medications that are used for that have gotten, uh, have had some issues. So Yeah, that's interesting. There's the one study in rugby players where they're like, oh, it might increase DHT, which can increase hair loss. Huh. It, but that's like yeah. the thing well, is, it's, it's, it not, it's not, it's not plausible. It doesn't even biologically the, plausibly yeah. make sense. Yeah. That sense. was the one that started the alarm back when, and then this was supposed <laughs> to be the trial that actually explored the issue without looking at intermediary. Huh. Interesting. What about like general population? Do you think like, you know, let's say our patients that come in that, you know, they might be a recreational uh, exerciser. Do you think creatine has any merit in, in that individual? Well, so I'm currently at uh, somewhere below general exerciser. So 15, 20 years ago, I was a wannabe powerlifter. And I was like, I'll do anything to get an edge. Yeah. And I had a bunch of joint issues and surgeries that went bad. And then now there's basically been no resistance training for 15 years. So at this point, it's like if you're at general or lower level, at average or lower level, you know, what is your goal in taking these supplements? Because yeah. it's not like if you have a, a wife, husband, partner, like they're not going to notice that 0.1% extra, you know, lean mass. So I don't know. I think for creatine, it would be less so for body composition and more so for potential cognitive or depression benefits. Yeah. Um, and there's way fewer trials for that, but it's promising. 
So I know, you know, we've talked a lot about, obviously, you know, I see a lot of diabetes, you know, obesity, diabetes, as does Spencer and, and probably a lot of our audience uh, does. And the, the question comes up on creatine a lot, um, you know, regarding kidneys, but also just the benefits for obesity and diabetes, et cetera. There have been uh, some studies suggesting maybe a benefit for people with type two diabetes. Um, and, and actually just to kind of check on myself, I just pulled this up. There was a uh, a systematic review meta-analysis in um, the clinical nutrition from the ESPEN group from February, not ESPN. ESPN? Clinical nutrition, anyways. Um, Disney's taking over everything. God. Uh, February 2022, it, it didn't really show, like th- there was not enough data to really say it positively affects it. But um, obviously the reason they did that is because there are some studies suggesting it, it may help uh, with some fasting glucose and insulin resistance. Um, and, uh, and certainly I've never seen any evidence of harm uh, in people with diabetes, even for their kidneys. It just might uh, sort of, uh, you know, make it appear higher or the creatinine kidney function yeah. because of that, because of the, that's how we monitor kidney function. But um, I don't know yeah. what your thoughts are on that, but yeah, from we our have perspective. Um, it's okay. Creatine is listed in our diabetes and blood sugar guide, and it's not a core or whatever we call the next level of supplement because um, to reach a core or primary option or something, um, you have to have a certain number of trials and uh, cover enough subgroups. And it's just not the case with creatine. So I think it's in the secondary or unproven options. Um, but I don't actually know what all the mechanisms are, so I'm not well ready. The only mechanism I would think is like you get a little bit more muscle, you have a little bit more storage depot for <laughs> for glucose. You can do a couple more reps uh, in the gym, yeah. but by itself, I can't imagine it would do yeah. much. It, I, Here, let me. I, um... I, I've seen stuff about uh, you know glute four translocation. Yeah. Which for for those of you out there, I mean, I, I used to call it the little sugar trucks in your muscles that go out and pull sugar in. So maybe maybe it helps a little bit. Okay, I'm, I mean, I'm not not, not like here. a medicine, but. You know. Here's what we wrote down as um, potential mechanisms. So um, increasing blood sugar uptake during muscle contraction. So that's what you're talking about. Uh, number two was indirect stimulation by increasing insulin secretion. I don't know if that's independently. Mm-hmm. Um, so speeding up blood sugar clearance from the bloodstream. And third is um, exercise performance, which Spencer was talking about. So, yeah. yeah, interesting stuff. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so what about like multivitamins? Does everybody should be taking one or no? I don't act. I, I take some of my my kids' gummies once in a while, but I, <laughs> so I well, take so one once in a while too. Funny, we <laughs> we're gonna start a YouTube channel, you know, after nice after all these decades, we're actually gonna have a video. But um, I think the first video might be on gummies, so I just started doing some research. Um, aside from gummies, where apparently, so gummy vitamin companies try to fund studies on increased absorption of certain nutrients from gummies, but it's always like marginally better, marginally worse, and you just can't fit as much nutrient-wise in a gummy. And then they degrade on uh, shelves over time as well. But for multivitamins in general, it's really fascinating. And I don't know if a lot of the answers are known. Um, The main thing is that if you're nutrient deficient, um, often because you're older and your absorption is lower, um, or you eat less food or whatever reason, multivitamins tend to be a good idea for other people it depends on what the multivitamin is um so with multivitamins usually can't fit in nutrients that require a lot of space like you can't put in that much magnesium because then you'd have to have a horse-sized pill or have to take a bunch of pills um and then the the better absorbed forms of nutrients tend to be more expensive and people don't really like buying really expensive multivitamins so that's why different trials show different things sometimes it's 
um, you know, a, a decrease in, um, in upper respiratory tract infections over the course of two years. And sometimes it's, you know, an increase or nothing. Um, so it's, it's kind of like saying our probiotics good or bad because it's not really one thing. Yeah. There's so many um, different. Yeah. It might be a good idea. I think for people who either eat crappy diets or are older or have a restricted diet of some sort. Yeah. yeah. What did I see recently? There was cognitive, something. Cognition was a cognitive versus. Thing. Yeah, uh, maybe it was, did. And that was the first time I've ever cocoa, seen anything. Cocoa flavanols. Which yeah. is surprising. And wasn't, what didn't one of somebody we know on Twitter posted? And I was like, yeah, Kevin, was in the past I was very years. skeptical. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I don't know. Because you got to look at the methods of how they, I didn't, I didn't look into it, but you have to see how are they even assessing cognition and then all that stuff. Interesting. What, okay. So moving on from kind of stuff that we, you know, might be recommended for the general population. The other thing that I would, I always recommend is like protein powder for those who just can't get enough protein in their diet, but is that really a supplement? It's kind of like food to me anyway. It's a, well, it's a food, so you're supplementing your yeah, diet. Food supplementing. It. It's more of a literal food supplement. But Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not um, like it's, it's a, it's a little bit of a gray area because if you take like dehydrated garlic, you know, for some indication that's a supplement, but people always think of that as a supplement, but really it's a, it's a food. Yeah. Um, but you don't take protein powder in capsules or at least since the eighties. So now it is, you know, I don't know if like I, what was it? GNC gold. Was that what, what the card was called? I remember the first yeah. time I used my GNC card, it was for protein pills and that's not really efficient way to get protein. Oh but, God. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, it's, you know, whey and casein vegan protein powders. I don't know. It's a little bit different. Um, a little bit more processing, but. Yeah, they're borderline food. Yeah. Wasn't there something about heavy metals found in uh, plant-based protein? I, I drink a, a, oh, a pea and rice protein, um, but I know that maybe the vegan ones have a little bit more um, heavy metal, maybe because of the soil or something like that. Oh, my God. I would yeah, never but there was also a heavy metal that. thing in way like 10 years ago. So, so like my so strategy when I supplement is usually just to rotate supplements because, yeah. you know, cow. like, you know, on want to take everything yeah what are the like top five supplements you guys see that are probably useless that people are always asking about i have a few in mind but uh, i'd be interested <laughs> to see what you guys see uh they tend to be, fall under fat burners and testosterone boosters yeah and there's like a million and one supplements that don't work um and then there's like three that might have some efficacy yeah, that's classic. So what? Are, okay, so the fat burns. I love making fun of fat burners. I make memes about them. How they're basically worthless unless you have maybe some ephedrine or something, which is now yeah. you don't get that in the United Even States. Yeah. Uh, but what? What? What are you can inside? right? Or I can't remember. I think it's like yeah. broncade. You have to like get it from a get it from the yeah. gas station. Along with some boner pills there. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just got fired again. He gets, he gets fired every episode because I of get me. fired from my real job. You get fired from your all your other jobs. <laughs> my internet <laughs> job. Uh, so, Casey, you've always. Sorry, Casey. Carl. Casey yeah, Carl. It's a, it's Casey a, Carl. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. People matter. think there are three of us. It's fine. Okay. So, um, so is Spencer the one who does a bunch of stuff and then you do like. Real, Normal real stuff. doctor stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah, I mean, we try I, to cross collaborate. I'm all on. I'm in the cloud. I am still practicing medicine, but we joke because I make all the memes. Yeah. When's the last time you saw a physical patient, like in real life? 
do no. you? You don't really ever. I haven't do seen you? it since 2017. Yeah, my God, he hasn't seen it's a patient on, in, in the online. office. It's, I don't have to get yeah, you know, coughed I, I on. Have, uh, I have an online doctor in your. I don't know if it's still your same group you work oh, with. Oh, Steady MD. Awesome, yeah. very cool. Yeah, that was and my. I, uh, that's my primary care. It's because I was like in between insurance one time, and I had a primary care who just didn't give a shit. Yeah, I was like, okay, I'll I'll get this that's online doctor just so I can order labs more easily because nice. I don't want to have to con- convince him to like do a blood panel once. Yeah, yeah the, the reality cool. of it is, it really is the future, and um, I know we're getting way off topic here, but um. You know, yeah, we. I like to tease Spencer about it, but um, it in when COVID came around, it really was the silver lining of that that really forced, you know, we'll, we'll call them the real healthcare systems, but uh, to adopt what Spencer has already been doing because we knew we could do so much virtually, and so as an endocrinologist, a lot of what we do is we talk, we we you know learn about patients' history. We look at their blood work, consider what's going on. And I don't have to physically see people all the time. You just tell um, people it's not your thyroid. You slam the door on them. <laughs> right. So anyways, that was a, that was a little, well, it's just a real, <clears throat> another tangent there. Oh I my mean, God. like, well, because people, when, when I had my first kid, I became a germaphobe, like people would come in coughing and wheezing. And I'm like, you just have a, a virus. I don't want to get this virus, whatever this is, and then give it to my little baby. So I'd go in there, hold my breath and basically be like, Hey, I'm Dr. Spencer. What are you here for? Let me listen to your heart and and, look, and then get out of there and basically come back in with a hazmat suit on. But it, it yeah, it was very nice. Yeah, God, so, God forbid you improve your kids' uh, immune systems by exposing yeah, them. Yeah, no, I'm, Jesus Christ. Put them in a bubble. Uh, that's a whole other I will, tangent. Put, <laughs> I will put them right. in a bubble. Oh, so come on. Okay, so come on. Tell us about um, t- like okay, fat burns. What's usually in these things? A lot of caffeine. Uh, it's everything you can throw in a in a pill, right? So. Um, <clears throat> Like the active ingredient is caffeine. Um, so if it's if it's not caffeine or a variant of caffeine, then it, it usually doesn't do much. And then yeah. um, and then herbs. So there could be at least last time I looked, the ones that kind of sort of worked maybe um, included often yohimbine or, or some kind of um, formulation of that, uh, EGCG or some kind of tea or green tea extract, um, like a boatload of B vitamins, just cause, you know, it doesn't really yeah. do anything. Um, and then just add in some more herbs, you know, tribulus or whatever. And then if you often, if you feel something, then it's like, well, it's working. And then who measures their fat loss in a controlled setting with the washout period and a control. So, you know, that's about it. Yeah. So Based on what I know about the literature, these—I mean, they're—it's pretty much pouring your wallet down into the toilet. Mm-hmm. Might as well drink some coffee. Yeah, yeah, because caffeine does have some benefits. A little bit of um, increased some, lipolysis, yeah. maybe a tiny little bit you know, of appetite benefit. Yeah. And, but there, and there are other benefits too to caffeine. And and you know, we keep every time I see a, a study on uh, health benefits of coffee, I share it, and people love it because. Overall, the cumulative body of evidence does seem to support the general health benefits of coffee, you know, with obvious individual nuances. But all yeah. right, so save your money when it comes to fat burns. What about tell us about these testosterone well, boosters? Well, fat burners is um, there's not really a lot of effective fat burners, but I think there might be more effective fat loss supplements, sort of. Um, and it's basically fiber. Yeah. I mean, fiber yeah. is a sure. really awesome weight loss supplement, and you don't. 
if you don't want to cook or whatever, there's soluble fiber. You can just take it before meals and then it's like automatic extra couple pounds a year. Well, so what's your favorite? Sponsor sip from uh, Hydrogel. What about, <laughs> yeah, we, we did a whole podcast on Planity, which is the, this it's Hydrogel. A, it's basically yeah. a pharmaceutical version of that. <laughs> yeah, what's what your favorite? Glucomonin or what is it? Psyllium husk? What do you, what do you usually recommend? Uh, it depends on what people's reactions are. So um, some people get bloated on psyllium husk and then it's, mm. you know, some milder version. So it really depends on the person. Something like that. So you would say uh, some bolus of soluble fiber with a lot of water before meals might help with that's kind of what we said in our plenity yeah podcast basically yeah, yeah. And it's just true. um yeah. and it's like i think kind of a wiser thing would be a i don't know if people do this at all but like a smoothie or a drink that has yeah um foods rich in fiber but it's once you get above like this amount of effort then people just don't do it so <laughs> for those of you who are listening and don't see it, he had his fingers almost touching together for the amount of effort. Tiny, <laughs> tiny little. We, yeah. All right. So, okay. So fiber, no fat burners. And then these testosterone boosters. What? Yeah. Oh, this, God, don't get us started. Oh, yeah. It's, this makes us so mad because you see these, these people just, you see the ads on Instagram and whatever, uh, Facebook. What are they putting in these things? Uh, so... It's, there's a lot of herbs. Um, the very first herb I saw probably back when I had my GNC gold card was um, horny goat weed. I think Ooh. that was the first one. I just thought it was yeah. so hilarious. So um, <laughs> I think that's still in certain supplements. Yeah, it is. I've seen it. It is? Okay. I've, se- I've heard people ask about it anyway. So they've, seen, they've, they've shown yeah, it Yeah, I've me. seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there are supplements that there's been like maybe a weak link and then a lot of mechanistic evidence to show there isn't a link. Um, and these supplements work for other things like ashwagandha. So I don't think ashwagandha mm-hmm. helps testosterone, but mm-hmm. because it's so prevalent and it's used for everything else, it finds its way into testosterone. They're just like, throw it in yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I remember um, some, you know, very slight data suggesting maybe D aspartic acid. Does that Right. The yeah. Acid, so I think that probably doesn't uh, have any harm, but um, yeah, it's one of those things where I think there might be very, very few trials, like two trials. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the effect is probably not large and it probably work, doesn't work in the vast majority of people. But yeah. again, if you're if you don't want to go to the doctor and get prescribed testosterone, then you can't convince people not to try this stuff, right? Like it's yeah. just, they're going to try it anyway. Yeah, like, Although the thing anything. is most, if, if you, if you actually, so go back to our, we have a podcast on hypogonadism, low T. If you actually have symptoms of low testosterone, do not get a supplement. <laughs> Please discuss it with your doctor because you may actually have pathophysiologically low yeah. testosterone and something that needs to be evaluated and treated. And you shouldn't just take testosterone if you don't actually have an irreversible cause of it. So what about, that's a whole other thing. What about yeah. tribulus? Yes, tribulus, that... stinging nettle root, boron. I know uh, boron has extremely weak evidence. Um, I can't remember what the evidence says. Um, I can't remember for stinging nettle root. Yeah, I think it's the same. Uh, and I don't know, I don't remember what else is in supplements. I know that- Fenugreek, fenugreek. Oh, and which which has some data, you know, a little bit for like even some metabolic benefits, like lipids and, you know, sugars yeah. and stuff. You very, know, very modest, obviously. Tangent, I kind of wonder, um, so there's these, there's plant extracts that have been tested and then they might have some impact on a variety of things. Um, I would be curious to see 
as an analogy, or I don't know, analogy is not the right word. Um, you know, blueberry is touted for cognition, right? Mm -hmm. And then they always say uh, berries high in anthocyanins and the, the, the darker the better and all that stuff. But I wonder if it's just because a lot of other things haven't been tested. So mm. if you're going to test like 10 random foods on 10 random outcomes, you're going to find probably a little something on each. It's just <laughs> yeah. that the things that get a lot of testing are like walnuts because of the walnut board, you know, and, yeah. and certain but walnuts are good for you. We love walnuts. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm a shill for Mr. They're, Peanut. They're good Nuts for your good. brain because they kind of look yeah, like yeah, your walnuts brain. Walnuts top three. Nuts. <laughs> top three. <laughs> I've heard because they look like your brain. It's got to be good. <laughs> that makes sense good. to me. <laughs> All right. Okay. So we go got south. any other, <laughs> any, any other like just completely worthless stuff? What about pre-workouts? What do you think oh, about those? Those yeah. are like a big yeah, one. Pre-workouts are kind of like um, similar to, to fat loss supplements and that the effect is usually so mild and it's from two studies that, and they also have overlapping ingredients. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah they can have like lots all of sorts of things. Yeah. A lot of caffeine, but they could have creatine in them. But then they have like all sorts of other things in them, uh, some that make you almost like uh, niacin to make you flush. Yeah, beta alanine. Like something's happening. Alanine. Beta alanine. Yeah, beta alanine. Um, some people like the niacin flush. Some people like the beta alanine tingle. Uh, but you know, beta alanine's not bad. I think it's what is it generally better for? I don't know if it's not necessarily aerobic, but uh, but more like one to three minute activities. I can't remember if that's yeah. right. Uh, nitric oxide boosters tend to be one of the only pre-workout supplements that might have some benefit. Um, and then it's just that whole list of nitric oxide possible boosters, um, whether it's beet powder or citrulline or arginine or whatever, um, you know, it's just trying one and seeing what works for you. Yeah. So for most people listening, they probably can save your money and again, drink some coffee or espresso or something like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's see. What else? Any other supplements I can th think of? So yeah, testosterone boosters, fat burners. Those are like the big ones I like making fun of. Uh, one of those. Oh, I know we wanted to bring up berberine. We, my brother and I used to, yeah. I was in med school and this berberine stuff is a Chinese herb. Um, yeah, it's a plant alkaloid. Oh, that, was that, your company or did you, was your thing like true berberine or something? It was, or no, it was else? called glycosolve. Yeah, we oh, called glycosolve. it glycosolve. And, so, and the reason we did this is because, you know, obviously as med students and an interest in, in diabetes, there were real studies published in very prestigious journals. Journal like of Endocrinology. Journal of, clinical, yeah. journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism, which is like one of our leading journals. Um, and we thought this is this is really interesting. It it really is truly a sort of alternative in quotes, uh, you know, sort of essentially like a medication. Drug. It was like a yeah, drug. Yeah, it was. It had some drug effects with pretty minimal side effects. And and we thought, what the heck? We'll we'll get in on this before um, others do. Nobody and, and was selling it at the time. We were like, we didn't know. We didn't know what we yeah. were doing. We we were just like from a business perspective. Contacted we, a manufacturer, and we you know talking about um, quality control. This manufacturer made sure that they did testing and they had to get it uh, GMP, uh, CMP or whatever, GMP certified, good manufacturing process certified. And so we were like, all right, let's put this in a pill. Let's put it at the clinical efficacy dose, the 500 milligrams. And we got the purest berberine you could find. It was like 97 or 98% pure. And, and it was extremely expensive, but we're like, whatever, 
let's just do it. And we were, we got to the top page of, of Google right at the, cause we were the first ones. Of course, we didn't know what we were doing, so a bunch of competitors came well, in a few months later. But not, but not necessarily of, that we didn't know what we were doing. Well, we, we also from a business were, standpoint, we, right? We were also doing it in the context of we're physicians. We're not going to say that this is better than the medicines right, we have because like that's not true. Yeah. We we were too we, you know we were honest and and I don't want to say too honest because we would always be honest. We we don't want to be quacks. We want to call out quacks. Right. And unfortunately, all the quacks caught wind of it and then beat us, <laughs> yeah. beat the hell so, out of us. <laughs> but in the meantime, it was really interesting. People were uh, taking this stuff and actually getting off their insulin and things. I was like, I, I didn't actually believe it because I was like, does this stuff actually work? The studies show it does, but these are small studies. Mm-hmm. You know, They're not big, huge uh, yeah. pharmaceutical studies with thousands of people. These are like maybe you know a few hundred people or even in the less than a fewer than a hundred. But these people were like, I need when we'd run out of stock in the beginning because it was mm-hmm. people the demand was so high and yeah. people were like i need this this is my new medicine I, I otherwise i'm gonna have to go back onto insulin anyway uh, you guys have a lot of stuff on berberine on your site at a, examine what's anything new on that i know you said you haven't been necessarily keeping up with berberine but i don't think there's anything new it's probably i i don't know as much about uh this as you but i think it's probably always going to be uh what is it it's it's more effective with metformin than metformin alone. Yeah. Usually. They have slightly different mechanisms. And so, um, and, and what's funny is they also lower, it also lowers uh, LDL cholesterol. The one thing is, is that I tell people, I'm like, first of all, don't just take this. We, we sold the company. We let it go because uh, because of the conflicts of interest. By the way, uh, back then we didn't really understand it all. And yeah. then we're like, Oh, we should probably not be selling supplements, even yeah. if it is efficacious. But um, and we couldn't compete with the quacks because yeah, we couldn't because we yeah. couldn't. We're not going to lie and, and over market it inappropriately. So. Yeah, so we ended. So we lost. <laughs> we so lost we all up, our money. <laughs> yeah, we, we ended up letting it go. But it was it was a, it was a very interesting, like drug like effects from that. But um, yeah, we didn't want to tell people, hey, take this instead of metformin because it's natural or whatever. Um, yeah, interesting. Uh, I think the um, the latest research I remember about berberine in the past five years that changes things is for antimicrobial purposes for yeah. small intestinal bacterial. Overload. Yes, interesting. Which is kind of um, where originally it was it originated yeah. as an antibacterial, and then they were like, "Oh, it has some glycemic lipid mm-hmm. properties," and that's where then yeah. we got wind of cut wind of it. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. So what else? All right. So before we get off, anything else with examine that, that you guys are doing? You guys kind of look at the supplements. That was what you guys um, kind of specialized in. But anything else you guys are doing over there that you want to let uh, the well, audience know about? Um, the proportion of our intervention pages that are supplements will probably go down a little bit. And the reason is that uh, I think that Supplement trials tend to be lower quality than like almost any other kind of trial. And we should start relying a bit more on meta-analyses for those um, and overweighting meta-analyses and underweighting smaller trials. But the stuff that I personally find fascinating and that I always lurk on Twitter about and I don't participate is um, <laughs> like the, the proportion of plant and animal foods in somebody's diet. When you can't, you'll never have a direct trial comparing these two. So how do you make that decision? Or if you're just starting your, you know, fat loss journey, um, 
there's like, there's 10 million studies. So then how do you start? And this is more of an algorithm based thing. So it's like, you don't, you don't want to start thinking that you need to lose 10 pounds in a year, but like, what does weight neutral mean? You know, what is, can you be healthy at whatever weight and all these things and kind of starting from there. So we always started from the ground up inductively and being like, here's a billion supplements, you know, what do they do? And now it's like, well, um, as everybody gets older, which happens with everybody, then it tends to be weight, uh, you know, type two diabetes, which my mom has, and I've, uh, bought berberine for her in previous years. Um, nice. and, uh, and other concerns where it's not necessarily like, here's a random supplement It's starting from the top down. So that's kind of interesting because, uh, this sounds like sort of quackery, but we're trying to think if there's AI tools we could use for data extraction from studies that could help. Hmm. Um, so there are certain tools now where you can insert a question and they'll just like pop out a bunch of studies that they think try to answer that question. And we only have a limited team of researchers, so we can't update everything at once, which is our current issue. Like we have a bunch of outdated stuff and it just keeps falling down the queue. Yeah. So we want to we want to be able to find out like, hey, what do we really need to update right now? And what does the latest evidence say? And if there's more than one meta-analysis, do they contradict and why? And then what should we do with that? Because we just can't, we can't go through like yeah, it's so you know, much five thousand studies. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. It, and it's just nonstop. And it, yeah, it just oh, that's it's, that's difficult. It, it like it kind of sucks for you. Always get a gotcha question, you know, like every week where somebody's like, hey, you know, this study said this, and and we're like, okay, yes, we don't, we make mistakes like everybody does, and also. Like we, we can't look at literally every study. It's just not, <laughs> it's not possible. Yeah. Every single study. People, people don't realize that. All the, there's a bunch of crappy journals out there that are pay uh, to play. Yeah. And, the yeah. journal of uh, Chinese and Iranian. Crappy <laughs> <studies>. <laughs> oh man. So, well, thanks for coming on. I, I think we kind of covered pretty much everything. So, you yeah. know, if you're going to, there aren't that many good supplements out there to necessarily you have to have, but I think we went over some of them that you may consider if you're uh, maybe at risk for deficiencies of whatever and probably good stu uh, supplements to stay away from if you want to save your money and make sure that you're focusing on the on the right stuff. And yeah, I, I think people are going to really appreciate this. Thanks so much. That was, that was a great discussion. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. The, as the last thing I would say, if you're going to take a bunch of supplements, reconsider the bunch part you know it mm -hmm. doesn't hurt to test one or two things at a time so you can see what works because people spend way too much money on supplements and it's yeah. better just to yeah, like trim do. that down and then yeah. see what works that would big, be nice. big supplement versus big pharma it's all, it's all i know big. it's that's the the battle of the ages yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much kamal for coming on if you want to check out examine uh go to examine.com for anything if you want to check out a supplement that someone's touting you can go there and check check out the the evidence they aggregated at all so and but they might not have some obscure new studies that are out there they're, <laughs> they're just a small team no angry emails please no angry emails <laughs> thanks for coming on kamal that's my pleasure 
This podcast is for entertainment and education and information purposes only. Remember, the physicians on this podcast are not your physician. It should not be considered professional or personalized medical advice. It should not be used to replace speaking with your physician or medical professional to discuss your specific health concerns. The topics discussed should not be used solely to diagnose or treat any condition. As a result, we are not responsible for any unwanted medical outcomes. The views and opinions discussed are of those of the host only and do not represent those of any other entities. 